everybody. Welcome to Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple. Let's all stand, and we'll start off with a word of prayer. Um, Brother Matt, would you open us with a prayer, please? Amen. Let's all take your hymnals and turn to hymn number 224. Hymn number 224, there shall be showers of blessings. Hip number 
Thank you. May be seated. Take your Bibles, if you would, please, and go to the book of Matthew, and chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6. Sure to be in prayer for Pastor and Miss Cindy as they take the rest of this week off and enjoy some time, uh, some, some time together and away, and uh, finishing up the revival in Spokane tonight, and then uh, being able to spend a little bit of time tomorrow uh, through uh, Saturday, coming back and he'll preach for us on Sunday. Uh, glad for him to be back then. And uh, so we'll be in Matthew chapter number 6 this evening. Uh, last week we talked about uh, kind of verses 1 through 18. And uh, we talked about the uh, large portion of the, fir- of the sixth chapter of Matthew where Jesus is calling his disciples to radical worship of him. Uh, and radical worship of Jesus is, uh, is a worship that is empty of hypocrisy and it's full of true devotion. 
That's what radical worship is, because that's not what the Pharisees were doing. That's not what the general uh, populace of Jewish people were doing either. They were full of hypocrisy as they worshipped. Uh, and we see the uh, kind of the description that Jesus gives here in verse number 5. Uh, just, just to review to get us where we're going tonight. Uh, verse number 5, it says, the, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. And uh, they gave the description there where Jesus says that they would go into the synagogues and they would pray as loud as they could uh, just to be seen of men. And that was their motive, and that was the problem. Uh, it wasn't that prayer was the problem, it was that motive was their problem. Uh, their motive was that they wanted to be looked at, that they wanted the recognition uh, that would come from people seeing them as more spiritual than anybody else. And so they wanted that recognition. recognition. And so uh, without hypocrisy and with purity, with privacy, verse number 6, enter into that closet, uh, be, uh, be, uh, private, have a private prayer life that matches your public prayer life. And I think that's what Jesus was getting at, that he said, have a, have a private spiritual life uh, that, will, that will be, uh, that will be um, shown to other people, but it starts on the inside. It starts when you're alone. And so have a private spiritual life that matches your public life. And then uh, use not vain repetitions, verse number 7. Uh, the, the, uh, the Pharisees and the Jewish people, the spiritual people would uh, say just the same things over and over again. And there would not be any power in their prayers. And so Jesus said to pray with power. And so we talked about the prayer, we talked about the fasting, the almsgiving last week, and uh, we skimmed over a little bit the model prayer, what we have for us in Matthew 6, uh, verses 9 through 13. It's often called the Lord's Prayer. Some people call it the uh, model prayer, how to pray, and we find in Luke chapter number 10 that the disciples had come to Jesus and they said, Lord, uh, teach us to pray, and this is the prayer that he gave to them. And, uh, and so we see here in, uh, in verse number 9, uh, this prayer that Jesus, that Jesus says here, it says this, after this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As I was reading about these verses, some people suggested that uh, while other people call it the Lord's Prayer, some people call it the Model Prayer, uh, some people call it the Disciples' Prayer, uh, because this is a prayer that the disciples were to pray. Uh, this is a prayer that was supposed to be a sign of the disciples' true devotion to God, and so that's what I'm going to title the lesson this evening, The Disciples' Prayer, and so we'll pray and then we'll get into it. Father, so thank you so much for uh, everything uh, that you've given to us, we're uh, so unworthy of how many blessings you give to us. The daily you load us with benefits, the Psalms say. And uh, Lord, thank you so much for that. I ask you to help us as we open your word, uh, as we consider this prayer that you gave to the disciples, uh, to those who would be part of the kingdom of heaven. And uh, Lord, we are so grateful for your son, and we ask this in his name. Amen. Uh, this is a prayer that was given, specifically taught for the disciples. I mentioned in, in Luke chapter number 10 that they came to Jesus and they said, uh, Lord, teach us to pray. And this, is, this was his uh, response. Very similar wording uh, here in Matthew chapter 6 to Luke chapter number 10. Very similar wording. And, uh, and so he gave, it, he gave it in that context where the disciples asked him what to pray. And then he gives it in this context of the Sermon on the Mount where he's, if you recall, uh, that he's talking to his disciples or those who would be his disciples, those 
uh, who would desire to be uh, really a true follower of God, one that really follows his word and his actions and his motives, the ones that would try to uh, form their life after what Jesus lived and what Jesus taught. And uh, so all of those who would, who would aspire to be in that group of people, the people who would desire to be his disciples, uh, this, was the, this was the prayer that after this manner they should pray. Uh, it's, and we, we see here in verse number 7 that, that we pray not using vain repetitions. And so it's not that Jesus is saying that this prayer ought to be repeated over and over again. Uh, and some would, some would have twisted this, uh, this prayer into being something like that. But, but we see here that that's not what Jesus intended. Uh, what Jesus intended was that this prayer uh, be a model, to be a map of, of what to pray for and how to pray. And so we're, we'll look at, uh, uh, look at this prayer kind of phrase by phrase and see uh, what, Jesus, uh, what Jesus was getting at here. And so he's exhorting those who would be his disciples to pray, not as the heathen, with hypocrisy or to be seen of men, and with no heart using the same words over and over again. As we look at this prayer, uh, you'll notice that it's easily split into six requests um, over these five verses. And, and those six requests are split into two sections. The first three are requests that are made specifically for God. Uh, you see it there, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, and that's the first request. The second request, uh, thy, thy kingdom come. And then the third request, thy will be done on earth, in earth as it is in heaven. And then the second three requests are more uh, focused about uh, the needs of his disciples, the necessities of life. Uh, and even as we consider that, uh, that means that those three requests are also all about God. Because he's the only one that can really fulfill those requests. And so the whole thing is praying to God, and we understand that. And, uh, and so we see, let's, we'll go through this here and, and uh, look at this phrase by phrase. And so first off, I want to look at this, that uh, verse number 9, the, the opening phrase of the prayer, uh, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I want to consider this, number one, that God is both tender and terrifying. God is both tender and terrifying. Notice, notice what it says, Our Father which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. So we see, first off, that, uh, the first part of this, that he is tender. He's our father. And he, he's a caring father, might I remind you. He's a very caring father. We see in, in other parts of the scripture, I think even in chapter number 7 of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, uh, in, in the next chapter, that he talks about that, that uh, if we, being evil, can good give, good give good gifts, then how much more should our Heavenly Father uh, right, give gifts which are good for us? And so we see that he is a caring father. And this is a separating factor between the true God and false gods. As you consider the culture of false gods and those who serve them, uh, the main driving factor in people who serve false gods is not love or trust or, or care, but it's fear, right? That, that's, that's how they are served, the, the, because of, uh, of fear of judgment, fear of, being, uh, fear of being denied, fear of whatever the case is. And, and, and even in the lore of mythology, uh, this is a well-attested fact. Um, I was reading today, and, and uh, some people commented that uh, one story from Greek mythology is about Prometheus. And uh, Prometheus was a false god, and he was known for uh, being, if I'm not mistaken, being a god of fire. And so, uh, you know, according to this mythology, uh, people existed for many centuries without fire. And then one day Prometheus had some pity on humankind, and so he gave fire to them. And Zeus finds out, and he chains Prometheus in the middle of an ocean uh, with no food or nor no nourishment. And even uh, Zeus would send a raven uh, to pluck out Prometheus's kidney, uh, which would grow back, of course. But the, he would send the raven day after day, uh, punishing him 
for being nice to humans. And so what, what I'm getting at here is that, that our God is far different and far greater than that. And, and when I say our God, I mean the only true God. The one true God is far greater than that because He's a caring Father. He cares for His children. He cares for His disciples. He cares for those that follow Him. And, and so we see that He is a caring Father. He, he loves us and we see that in His, even the, the greatest sacrifice that was given, he, he loved the world and gave His Son for us, His only begotten Son. So He's a caring Father. But notice also that not only is He a caring Father, but He's also a family Father. A family father. What does that mean? If you read through the, uh, through the, uh, the disciples' prayer here, you'll notice that there's not a single uh, pronoun that is singular in number. Every pronoun here is given in the plural. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Uh, on, uh, we'll go through it. Verse number 11. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever amen Uh, we notice this that uh, so often I think that uh, in our prayer life we think that we're alone uh, but the fact is that we're never alone Uh, because number one we have the Holy Spirit with us and so we're never alone but also you and I are part of a community Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple. All right, I know some of you were needing clued in there. Uh, we're part of a community. And uh, part of the idea of a community is that we are family. And uh, as a family, we can go before our Father and, and ask for petitions that we need. And He is a caring Father and will, uh, will grant those requests according to His will. And so we see that He is our Father. He is tender. But notice also that He is terrifying. He is terrifying. Hebrews chapter number 12 calls Him this, a consuming fire. A consuming fire. Uh, the, the prayer here, it says this, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, this would, the, the word hallowed is like holy, separate, uh, unlike anything other, uh, anything other, above all else. Uh, he, he is far more terrifying than we could even imagine. Does that negate his care for us? No, it absolutely doesn't. And we get in trouble when we focus on one or the other too much. Because the fact is, is that he's both. And he's terrifying and he's tender. And that's good news and that's bad news. But it's mostly good news. And so we see that God is both tender and terrifying. Verse number 10, we see this in the next phrase, that we should transform the earth, not escape to heaven. Transform the earth, not escape to heaven. Verse number 10, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Uh, we see this, that the kingdom of heaven, uh, we need to define this, verse number 10, thy kingdom come, the kingdom of heaven is this, where, where what God wants done is done. That's what the kingdom of heaven is. And so, uh, the, the, uh, Jesus here, he taught his disciples to pray that his, that his will would be done in earth as it is in heaven. And so often, I think that we, uh, we get into the mindset of, well, uh, you know, I just, I just want to get out of here, and I just want to go there. And uh, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you shouldn't desire heaven. You should desire heaven. But what I am saying is this, that we go too far when we trade our desire for heaven for our duty on earth. Because we have a job to do here. And we ought to desire heaven, but we have a lot of work to do here before Jesus comes back or before we go home. A lot of work to do. And, and we do His work when we, when we submit to God. Uh, every single aspect of our life ought to be submitted to what He wants, not to what we want. That seems kind of familiar to me. Um, I remind you of 1 Samuel chapter number 2 and 3. 
Right? That's what we just preached on Sunday. And that was that, that, that's the entire idea of what made Samuel uh, very special. And that's what made Zadok, the priest, very special. Uh, is that, that they were not interested in what they wanted, but they were interested in what God wanted. They wanted His will to be done in their life, not their will to be done in their life. And so we see submitting to God in every area of life, but also uh, we must be spreading the gospel. If we're desirous of heaven so much, why would we not want to take everybody with us that we can? We ought to. Or our, is our attention so shallow, uh, so narrow-minded that we just want to go there only thinking about ourselves? But we must be thinking about others that have not the gospel. And so uh, we see this, that uh, first off, that God is both tender and terrifying. And then we also see this, number two, that we should transform the earth, not escape to heaven. And then number three, we see this, that we, will be, we should be content to have what we need for today. What we need for today is what we should be content with. Verse number 11, give us this day our daily bread. A very simple request. I'm sure you've prayed it before. I've prayed it before. Give us this day. Give us the things we need for today. But that's it, though. It doesn't say for tomorrow. It doesn't say for the next day. It doesn't say for the next week. It says, give us today what we need for today. Uh, this simple request shows that a life with God is one of ongoing and unending daily dependence. Daily dependence. Small picture. This day, these 24 hours, or uh, these next uh, you know, 16 or 17 hours that I'm awake, here's what I need. And God knows what you need. But that's all I need for today, and I'll be content with that. Be content with the things you have for today. In other words, it's a life of faith. It's a life of faith. That's what Jesus desired for his disciples. God practiced this, if you remember, in the life of the Israelites in the wilderness wanderings, right? As they were wandering around the desert for 40 years, uh, he, he provided food for them. And how did he do it? On a daily basis. Every day they came out of their tents and they looked for manna. And they, they gathered what they needed for today. And, and remember what happened? That if they gathered too much, too much beyond what they needed, what would happen? It would spoil, right? Why? Because I think Jesus was, was thinking back to that where he said, give us this day our daily bread. Just give us what we need for today. And, uh, you know, I understand that this can be more, about just, more than just about bread, right? It's not just about food. It's not just, Lord, give us this day our Chick-fil-A. Uh, no, that's not, no. I, I just had to slip that in there. You know I did. I had to. Give us this day our daily bread. But it's, it's more than just food, though. It's sustenance. It's spiritual, right? Give us this day what we need spiritually. Give, us the, give me the grace that I need for today. Give me the patience that I need for today. Give me the contentment that I need for today. Give me those things, God, please, would you give us this day our daily bread. Because, and we need to pray this, I think, because we live in a culture that is frenzied and it's fearful in their drive to accumulate. Aren't we? We, we, we try our best to get everything that we can at all times. I just have to get it. I just have to do it. I have to get as much as I can. And we live in a culture of accumulating and hoarding. But as disciples of Jesus, will we step back and say, whatever is enough for today is enough for me. Whatever is enough for today, is that enough for me? We must trust God for today. And guess what? We're invited to trust Him again tomorrow. Because that's the thing about it. Trusting Him today doesn't mean He's not going to take care of us tomorrow. But it's just a day-by-day-by-day process. Where daily you ask him, would you give us this day our daily bread? This request here, it brings our present problems before God. But our, the next request that we find brings the past before God. Uh, so number four, we see that we must see the evil in us 
not merely the evil in others. Verse number 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Uh, the debt here is talking not necessarily about money, though it could be partly that, uh, but it's mostly talking about the debt of sin. The debt of sin is we've sinned against God because the fact is when we're Christians, we don't, uh, we don't just automatically stop sinning, right? We don't. It's, it's, still, it's still in there. Our sin nature still kicks its ugly head against us. And, and so the debt here is the debt of sin. And, and we have to recognize that there is evil inside of us. It's, the problem is not everybody else. The problem is us. It's, a, it's an us problem. And we, we get in trouble when we blame shift. Well, there's the problems in the world, that's everybody else's fault, and everybody else is doing evil. But the fact is, we're evil people. And the things that we do and the things that we say, they come from inside, and the inside is where the evil is. Uh, that's where the evil comes forth and proceeds from the heart of man. Uh, we have sinned, and we've been sinned against, right? Forgive us our debts, and as we forgive our debtors, you've been sinned against. And we ought to pray for forgiveness and, and, and ask that we might have patience with those that have sinned against us. But it brings the past before God. It says, God, in the past, I've sinned against you. And, and we bring our present before God. We say, God, I need the things for today that I need to survive. But we also notice that we can bring the future to God's, to God's, eye, to God's eyes. Verse number 13, where we must remember our inability to save ourselves. Because we're not able to save ourselves. Verse number 13 and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We are unable to save ourselves. Uh, being saved from temptation, says, lead us not into temptation. Uh, petition similar to this is offered by David in Psalm 141. Incline not my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity. God, would you keep me from temptation? Would you keep me from being tempted to do evil? Would, would you protect me in that way? Would, would you keep my eyes from seeing things that I ought not to go? Would you help my desires to be correct so, so I don't go places I'm not supposed to be? Uh, so, so I don't do things I'm supposed to do? Would you, would you please help me? Would you please lead us not into temptation? But also victory in spiritual battles. The fact is we're in a spiritual battle. Uh, we are. Uh, and, and we ought to have protection from that. And we have responsibility, and you understand that from Ephesians chapter number 6, that we have responsibility to stand against the wiles of the devil. Uh, but if you recall, we can't do that on ourselves, by ourselves. And God has given us the, uh, the, the spiritual armor that we need, uh, the breastplate of righteousness and the true, belt of truth and all those things. And, and so what I'm getting here, though, is this, that we can't do it on our own. We need help from him. We need help for our future, our future temptations. We need help for our future battles. We need help for those things. We can't do it on our own. We're, we're unable to do it. And so, lastly, I want to look at this, that the requests in this prayer are only possible because of who God is. That's the only way that they're possible. That's the only way that, that, uh, that we can get our daily bread. It's the only way that we can be forgiven. It's the only way that we can be uh, saved from spiritual battles and from temptations. Uh, the prayer must end and begin with God. It has to begin and end with Him. Because if we're not careful, we'll get stuck in verse 11 and 12 in the first part of 13. We'll get stuck, right? I don't know about you, sometimes when I pray I get stuck in those things. I'll say, dear, dear only Father, or however I start the prayer, and then immediately I'll go into, can you please give me this? Can you please give me this? Can you please give me that? Can you please give me that? Uh, I love you in Jesus' name, amen. Right? If we're not careful, we'll get stuck in verses 11, 12, and 13, the first part. But the fact is, we need verse 9, 10, and 11, and the last part of 13. We need those, because without those, we can't get anything that we need. We can't get anything. 
We can't have spiritual victory. We can't have the sustenance and contentment. We can't have the forgiveness of sins if God doesn't exist. We must have that first part. Uh, We must have, uh, so look at verse number 13. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Forever. It's not that, uh, it's not that uh, we can have any part of the power, any part of the glory. Uh, it's not that it's our kingdom, and we shouldn't think of it as our kingdom, because it's not ours, it's His forever. Not, not just now, not just in eternity past, but in eternity future, it's His kingdom. And so Jesus is inviting His disciples that they would pray that His kingdom would come, that His will would be done on earth, and that they would remember that they should be content for what they need today only. And that they should have forgiveness of sins and that they should be safe from temptation and spiritual, uh, spiritual, uh, spiritual battles. And so in conclusion, this is not a prayer that we repeat word for word. It's not. Jesus said that. It wasn't. But what he did give us was something that if we understand the mindset that we're supposed to have, then we can pray for the things that we need correctly. And so if, is, your mindset correctly, is your mindset correct about prayer? Or is it just that you come to him and ask for things and say amen? But the fact is we need to respect God for who he is because he's both tender, but he's also terrifying. And so be sure to remember who God is when you come before him. Be sure to remember that while he is certainly able and willing and going to provide for you the things that, he, that you need, uh, he's also hallowed, he's also holy, he's also separate. And so you must remember that as you go to him in prayer. And uh, pray the request that you need. Uh, pray for him to provide for you. Only this day, though, be content with the things that you have. Don't try to get more than what you need and uh, pray for forgiveness and pray for safety from temptation. Father, thank you so much for everything you've given to us. And uh, Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your mercy. Uh, Lord, I thank you for your name. Uh, Lord, I thank you for, uh, for everything that you are and everything that you do. Lord, I ask you to speak to our hearts. Help us to have the right mindset when it comes to prayer. Help us to be true disciples of you. Uh, that will pray with you in mind, uh, not just what we want or what we need, but that we would remember who you are and uh, that you would help us to keep that at the forefront of our mind. Uh, we love you and ask that you would do a great work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. As we stand together, the piano begins to play. Do you have the right mindset about prayer? If the Lord's done business with you, come. Brother Charlie's going to sing verse number one, I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender All to Him I freely give I will ever love and trust Him In His presence daily Brother James can come with our...